Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? We also have an announcement to make. We want to receive listener mail from you. You can send us emails to contact at kithintel.ca. We'll read them on the air. Any sort of comments, questions, or love letters directed at David Foley, who listens to every episode religiously, can be sent there. That's contact at kithintel.ca. Also, follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at kithintelpod. That's at K-I-T-H and telpod. And every week, Hans uploads new hilarious Kids in the Hall gifts. You should follow it for the gifts. That's the main reason we're doing this project. No one cares about our reviews, but the gifts, they're golden. Also, follow us on Facebook, like our page, at Kith and Tell. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Kith and Tell, where our official model is A Brief Respite from the Void. We've undertaken to review every episode of a 30-year-old show that turned out in the end to be almost as popular as a show about a grown-ass man with a tickle trunk. As always, I'm joined by my fellow kids, Kalina McCorkoff in London, England. Hello. <laughs> Hans Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. Cheerio. <laughs> and, and Trevor Record in Vancouver, Canada. Pip, pip, hurrah. <laughs> These are getting increasingly wacky, and I think that's yes. completely on brand. We will be reviewing episode nine of season one, which aired on November 7th, 1989. Let's kick it off with our sketch rundown. This week, we had A Place to Die, Secretaries, A Place to Die 2, Preacher, Weston Esther Hazy, Confidant to the Stars, A Place to Die 3, and Teddy Bear's Picnic. So the first thing I wanted to get into is best kid, worst kid. Let's dive into our highs and lows of the week. I think, personally, this week was a bit of a stinker in terms of skit quality and payoff. So <laughs> let's hear what our pals think about the kids. Trevor, does anyone in the troop redeem this episode for you? Well, our beautiful man, Scott, uh, just <laughs> barely wins this episode with his standout performances with uh, Kathy as a C and uh, a child that is critical of the basic premises of the Teddy Bear Picnic song. Uh, yes. As well as he plays an annoying confidant of the stars, which I don't care for too much and is a recurring character. But... Uh, yeah, no one does too great here. I would say Kevin gets worst kid just because he only appears in one skit, and it's one of the I'll die in this house sketches, which I didn't care for. Uh, mostly he gets worst kid because I missed him, though. <laughs> I was Aww. actually going to make the argument that he is kind of excluded from best worst kid for not being present. Like, the absentia is really noticeable. I think that may be part of the lack of quality in this episode is the lack of, of Kevin, perhaps. <laughs> I agree. That is profound and well thought out, Trevor. You are clearly a man of refinement and taste. <laughs> so speaking of refinement and taste, in the interest of fairness, we should get an opinion from someone lacking both. Hans, what do you think about the kids this week? Love you too, Stu. Uh, you know, you know I, I saw that. Yeah, let's... Um, I, I will say this about Kevin. Um, he was the best part of a bad sketch in his one and only appearance, you know. Um, so I, I won't give him worst kid honors for for this episode. I think I'll give it to Dave uh, just because, yeah, that the die in the house I was born in sketch really... It was it was the low point of the whole episode for me, except for the third part, which was only be good because Kevin was in it. So so Dave gets worst <laughs> kid honors to me. 
Um, as far as best kid, it's a toss-up for me, I think, between a Mark and uh, Mark for his preacher character, uh, a well, like a, a rare, you know, wall-breaking uh, monologue uh, skit that works, and, um, and, and Bruce for Teddy Bear's Picnus, but I think I'll give it to... Uh, yeah, I'll give it to Mark. I think, uh, you know, it didn't have a, a whole lot to do in this episode, but um, but his preacher character, uh, it, it, that, that could have gone really poorly if he didn't pull it off. So, so Mark Don't gets worry. it for me. He, he, he actually didn't pull it off. I think you missed that. Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> off. Predictably, Hans picks the most mayonnaise sketch of them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... Hans, I think that that is completely terrible. I think you were the Dave Foley of this week, <laughs> which is ironic because I think Dave Foley was not the Dave Foley of this week. I think that Die in This House is kind of a highlight, and I will, I'll will grant you, it doesn't really pay off until the third time it comes up, and you know how I feel about repeat mayonnaise skits mm. and how much they annoy me, but that one kind of worked. I liked Scott, Tom, uh, Scott Thompson as the uh, smoking doctor in the yes, second that was one, good. and just how mm. straight-faced they were. Um... I hate this, but I think the the worst for me is Bruce and Scott. What? Oh. Weston uh, fell. The Weston boo. bit falls really Yeah, Weston. Oh, me. yeah, that one sucked. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't like Weston. But I, I, as Trevor said, I think that Scott's petulant mama's boy kid in Teddy's Bear Picnic kind of bumps him above Bruce. For me, mm. I love Bruce, but he felt like the weak link. His Kathy mm. the K... I was watching it with my partner, and she brought up, like, does he not know his lines? It comes across <laughs> as stuttering in a way that felt unfinished to me, which is weird because he's usually the anchor of the scenes, like in Mississippi Gary when it comes up for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Best Kid, the clear standout is Mark. I think that preacher bit is just so oh funny because it's such a <laughs> weird bit that he commits to as a character but then also dissects while doing it. It was just, it's a very clever bit that is not too self-congratulatory. It just really works. It was a lot better than the usual Dave fourth wall breaking monologues. You know what I mean? Like, of course, of course, Mark would do the signature Dave sketch better than Dave. Oh, it was like, uh, it was like if Dave Foley was put through the Kevin filter. (laughs) It was just like, what if Dave actually tried? And it was like, it would look like Mark McKinney. Yeah. <laughs> Kalina, you want to fight me on this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely want to fight you on that, but I do want to quickly come to the rescue of uh, the secretary's bit. Like, uh, I mean, Bruce as Kathy with a K only stutters and seem to not know his lines because he's just trying to really communicate the kind of insecurities that all those secretaries really feel. That was commitment there. That was not not knowing the lines, guys. Uh, I'm with you on that one, Kalina. Could not handle Mark in the preacher bit. Uh, and I know we're going to get into the metal layering in a bit, so I'll leave it to that. But, I mean, he committed, but I just honestly started to glaze over. It went on way too long, and I just couldn't handle it. Best kid, agree with Trevor here. Scott takes it on this one. Yes, Weston is shit, but, I mean, he's great as uh, Kathy with a C sketch as the head of office goss. And then in the teddy bear's picnic bit, like, I especially love when he starts being a total smart aleck and tells his dad, Bruce, Dad, I can't sleep trying to piece together this sloppy narrative. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely my standout line as well. And then he's like, and then he just keeps pushing him, being like, well, who told you? He's like, a guy at work. He's like, I've never heard of this. Should we call him? <laughs> I just couldn't handle it. Anyway, um, as, as uh, another side note on secretaries, I do really want to keep an eye out to see if the photo of Mississippi Gary remains a staple of Kathy with a K's office. Um, was it in this one? Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Kathy with a C has a framed photo of a generic looking dude in like an Air Force I did Force not notice that. I could not spot him. Oh, I thought that that was Tom Cruise. I thought it might have been Tom Cruise from Top Gun, but I don't think it mm. is. Well, and and sorry, to finish off, as worst kid, it was whoever mm. the hell kept Kevin out of the bulk of the yeah. sketches. Yeah. <laughs> whoever corralled Kevin. Into- <laughs> yeah. It was Lorne Michaels. God damn it, Lorne. <laughs> Lorne Michaels is the bane of us all. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up secretaries, because that brings us to one of our lighter and more fun segments, which I'm going to call Office Kathy slash Kathy. Anti-feminist question mark? <laughs> Always lighthearted. <laughs> Always lighthearted and easy. I watched this episode again last night, and I realized I don't get the comedic foundation of the secretary scene. Like, on the one hand, I get it as a send-up of kind of typical office dreariness, you know, laden with sighs about Mondays and complaints about the temp. But on the other hand, I couldn't help read it as a bit of an indictment of the female interaction. I was thinking specifically about how Scott's Kathy with a C baits Bruce's Kathy with a K to gossip about her weight to make her cry and then reaffirm, like it breaks apart the social dynamic to reforge it and then it just continues on like nothing happens. <laughs> and I, I wondered what you guys had the read on this because initially I thought it was just kind of silly and surreal and then I, I thought it was like maybe a little bit mean at times. Hans, <laughs> do you have any feelings on this? It's interesting. I, uh, I actually had a conversation that relates directly to this with a female coworker uh, the other day and it was noticing that there I was in a meeting with this woman and and it it took a long time for her to to say what she meant to say and to ask for what she wanted to ask for and and it was really obvious to me that it was that she had all this like latent built in um kind of nerves around around asking and being direct about what she wanted and and I was like it's and I was expressing to my female coworker it's such a shame because everyone in the room there was was on her side and wanted to give her what she wanted to ask for but it it mm. was just it took so long <laughs> to kind of get it out of yeah. her and and my female coworker said oh it's almost like gendered forms of communication are a thing that we struggle with <laughs> and I was like Oh, yeah, that's absolutely the case, and it, and it, and you know it wasn't. I, I didn't intend it as a criticism of her, but but it it really was just kind of as plain as day, you know that 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 is um, that those are kind of norms that are enforced, and that they're they're challenges to be overcome. And I think in a weird way, the the Kathy's bit is trying to get at that. You know, it's it's kind of trying to poke fun at this kind of gendered style of communication. And 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 show in a weird way how kind of dysfunctional it is. The the problem is it's a bunch of guys doing that. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I and and I just don't know if they're the right people to kind of make that commentary or or make that joke. Um, so you know I think it's a well intentioned bit, mm. uh, but but maybe just the wrong the wrong delivery for it. How did it read to you though? Like did, was that your initial take when watching the scene, or was it more like? that you got that it was just kind of general satire. No, I think I, I I've always read it as being as 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 satirizing that uh, that particular form of communication, that particular form of office relationship and 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 you know, the, the everyone has met someone like that, I think if they well, <laughs> everyone who was alive in the 80s has met somebody that was that was kind of like that or has worked in in a traditional office and I think it's just trying to send that up, right? Um, yeah. so that's I, that's how I read it, yeah. Awesome. Kalina? Yeah, I mean, the anti-feminist bit is a decent question. And, and, you know, I honestly have thought about this too, kind of in the past, re-watching these. 
And as you know, usual, I tend to use sort of the litmus test of could these jokes be made mm. today? And on that measure, probably not the bit where they're making jokes about Tanya having an eating disorder in order to comfort Kathy about having saddlebag thighs. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I honestly think the cattiness about it all is pretty hilarious. And, you know, office gossip totally exists. Girls and w- women, like, in sort of gendered uh, Western society, especially in, uh, you know, work and school relationships, can be really awful to each other. And I think this is just making fun of it is fair game in my eyes. Fair enough. <laughs> T-Rex, you got any feelings on this? <laughs> I, I don't know if I really have too much to add to this conversation, <laughs> actually. Uh, <laughs> I was like, maybe it's not feminist, or maybe it is someone that knows this better than me can tell me, and I'll say yes. <laughs> so I agree with Kalina. And nice. <laughs> good dodge, good dodge, the, Trevor. The peak of feminism, we have Kalina and Hans. Yes. We're set. <laughs> Well, that's great. I think it's important to remember the context. We brought this up a couple times talking about the mm. blackface in Mississippi Gary and how some of the jokes mm. just don't scan as well as they might have. Mm. Um, so let's bring us to our last segment, which is something I want to talk about for a little bit. Um, less so about this episode and more about a general thing about the series. The idea of too many layers. Uh, I want to bring up the idea of the like meta layering that the kids do, where either the skits break the fourth wall and mutate into meta commentary, or the skits take a drastic left turn and just continue on forever as if the previous bit of the skit did not happen. So I'm thinking specifically of Gorilla Repairman, the <laughs> skydiving marriage PSA, and in this episode, to a lesser extent, the preacher character sermon. So kids, do you like the meta layering? Do you think it adds or detracts? Mm. And do you think it works as a comedy vehicle? Just shoot it out at me. Tell me Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, so I mean, if it's short and sweet, I totally don't mind. But in most cases, it just feels like a strain of thought that should have been a conversation during the writing process and behind the scenes and really kept off camera. Like, I don't know, with the preacher bit, I got the joke in the first 30 seconds and otherwise I just lost interest. Because yes, the preacher as a character can really fall flat and it did here and maybe that's the point. But then just don't do it. Like, have a laugh with the rest of the kids backstage and leave it there. But, you know, I guess when they when they step out of character to say, hi, I'm not actually a gorilla. I'm Kevin McDonald from Kins the Hall. Like, keep it short, keep it funny, and just don't make it the centerpiece of the sketch. So, Kalina, your problem was that Mark McKinney did not take off the tie and say, hi, I'm Mark McKinney. I'm not actually a preacher. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually religious. I actually know how to pronounce the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> Which is, by the way, less heavy than the Bible, so all of you are sinners. <laughs> um, okay. So, I, wa- I want to... I want to I want to step in here and just say like I, I actually think this skit worked for the exact opposite reason uh, and I think Stu was kind of going in this direction before where he said like this was like a, a Dave Foley bit that just Dave Foley wasn't doing and so it was better. You're lucky you're half a world away. Yes, uh, Trevor. Trevor, that is exactly my take on it as well. So uh, Kalina, I I disagree with literally everything you said, um, uh, other than. Other than the other than the the short and sweet, I agree. The, these kind of bits are best kept short. But no, this this sketch. The only thing that made this sketch work was that Mark McKinney didn't do the Dave Foley 
deadpan, I'm Dave Foley talking about a sketch because that's never been funny, right? The only thing that made this sketch funny was that he was doing the preacher character as he was talking about the preacher character and the delivery kind of somehow kept it together. You know, the gorilla bit, I don't think really worked because, uh, you know, maybe it's a, like, it's a funny gag when you maybe think of it in the writer's room, but then if, if you don't have good delivery, if it's not, if it's not got its own kind of comedic styling and how it's, in how it's delivered, then it, it just falls flat every time. And, and this is the only one that I've had any interest in at all. And, and even then it wasn't that great. So, so to answer your actual questions too, I think the layering as a, as an idea for a sketch is not the best one. Um, best left to the professionals like Kevin and Mark. <laughs> I, I think you guys are actually selling a little bit short because as funny, like I think the meta really works in this case, but mm. his preacher character unto itself is really funny. The fact that there's a preacher there being like, which book weighs more? <laughs> and being like really fire and brimstone about it is hysterical. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> No, I think that's exactly what makes this work is even as they're breaking down the fourth wall, he is doing an excellent stock uh, character and he's (laughs) sending it up as he's doing it excellently. And when he told me of his problems, I said, Tom, try (laughs) drawling a little more. Extend your vowels. So So good. And if that doesn't work, are you sure you're funny? Uh, In general, I think the layering is a case by case. Um, I think part of the kith charm is the, the glib winking at the entire concept of a sketch show. And I think as we were talking about things that haven't really held up as much, like we are completely immersed in meta and multi-layered visual experiences now. And so it's a little bit less shocking in that way, I think. I think it's lost a little bit of its weight. Um, but at the time, it was really cool. And I think in a lot of ways, that magnifies the surrealism and absurdism that they want to encapsulate for their show. That you're watching this sketch show... In, like, 89, so, like, mm-hmm. mid-run of SNL. And all of a sudden, they're like, I'm not actually a gorilla. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? <laughs> Imagine watching that on CBC at, like, 9.30 on a Friday when you're smoking your terrible bushweed with your friends or whatever. <laughs> Just feeling like the world is ending. <laughs> I agree with Clean as well that layering can make the scene like, feel like it drags on, and they... Uh, really do struggle with making the audience hate them for that. <laughs> to finish it up, let's talk about our standout sketch. Uh, did anything really jump out at people as particularly high quality or successful? Uh, I want to defend Teddy Bear's Picnic because uh, we. one thing that I liked about it was, first of all, Scott did this kind of hilarious little kid that was very critical, <laughs> but I like that they have kind of a second act where Bruce is explaining to his wife his obvious infidelity, <laughs> also using uh, fairy tale terms. Yeah, like explaining <laughs> that the woman who contacted her to explain that she had been seeing him in a seedy hotel was actually a magical goat woman. Yeah. Well, I was like earlier, he's like, so it started raining gumdrops, and uh, we went to a wizard's tavern, and we had a little too the much. The wizard's leaf just wouldn't <laughs> dial out. I didn't realize this until you guys were talking about it in the uh, best kid kid analogy or best kid rundown. And uh, Scott, it's it's a reversal of the wife child dynamic. And I didn't realize that until we were talking about it. That it's like, yeah, the the son is the critical one, and the wife just accepts sales things wholesale. Yeah. Oh, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. But it was also because mm-hmm. you know it wasn't super clear. <laughs> <laughs> 
I give it three and a half out of five, though. I, I think that's a good one. All right. Yeah, yeah. Kalina? Um, Weston was definitely the worst sketch. <laughs> yes. uh, so one out of five, if not a zero. I mean, I couldn't really get whether it was like a reference or a parody of anything. I just didn't get uh, or what. So I was just like, seriously, do I have to, how long is this going on? And I'm like, kind of like looking at the time uh-huh. <laughs> this episode. It was just, it just wasn't funny. Anyway, best sketch in my opinion was secretaries as a recurring sketch of characters that will learn to know and love. It was just a comfort blanket that made me laugh and been an otherwise mediocre episode. 3.5 out of 5 for nice. me. I like that we have comfort blankets and mayonnaise rugs. <laughs> <laughs> a comfort blanket of mayonnaise. A comfort blanket of mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm a little sad about the Western one. I agree. It was really... It didn't really land and it's kind of uncomfortable to watch and his face makes me... Uh, uh, what's the word? Uncomfortable. But it's mm. too bad because I kind of see what he was going for and I wonder if this just because... Like, at its heart, it is a joke about proto-otaku culture. Just being like, haha, what if we were obsessed about celebrities? And it's like, yeah, then it would be 2018, and it would be weird. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor, or sorry, Stu, I, uh, so my notes for that episode, I agree with everybody. It's the worst one of the episode. Uh, But because I'm, because I'm a total, uh, I'm I'm way too generous to the kids in all instances, I still gave it a two and a half out of five. That's as low as, that's as low as my scoring system goes, really. You gave Um, Weston 2.5. You, you could never give them a failing grade. Yeah, well, that's, like I said, it's about as low. I I don't think I've ever gone below a two in my whole thing. But, um, you know what? We need to, we need to have an angel of mercy on this team, and it can be hard. (laughs) It's me. But, but what I was going to say, Stu, was that it feels to me like it's a prototype. For Bruce's Gavin character, you know Ooh. what I mean. Like it almost feels like Gavin could have come out of Weston Esther Hazy or whatever his dumb name is. Um, you got it right, actually. You know, it, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, it, it's that same kind of. Um, it's it's so many of the same mannerisms that Gavin does, except mm. for Gavin does them so much better than Weston Esther Hazy. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I just that was an interesting point I I had. Um, <laughs> my standout sketch is uh, clearly the Teddy Bear's picnic. It just had so many good lines. I'm I'm a little bit sad we didn't uh, we didn't do kids say the darndest things today because do you have one just in so your pocket? My favorite uh, Kalina or one of my favorites, Kalina. You already said it was like, Dad, I can't sleep trying to piece together this sloppy narrative. <laughs> yeah, um, and then. My other delightful one was, was honey, she's a goat. She's a yeah. magical goat, and she delights in playing tricks on us mere mortals. <laughs> it's like, like, just the premise that that was going to be something that would get you out of trouble, and that it's immediately accepted was, I, I just, uh, something about that just worked for me. Um, I didn't love Teddy Bear's Picnic, but I would want to point out two moments before we wrap. One is the weirdly antagonistic relationship between <laughs> the Scott Thomas son and the Bruce McCullough dad, in which she's like, all right, say goodnight. And he goes to kiss him, and he puts two fists on his forehead. Like, don't actually <laughs> touch me, Dad. But when mm. Dave Foley mom comes, he's, like, right on her chest and, like, curled up in a little ball. <laughs> and I actually kind of read some of the skepticism with the dad story as like that latent antagonism yeah. just simmering out a little bit. <laughs> um, that and the, the fact that it ends on such a weird note where I have nothing to worry about should <laughs> click. Like, why why would you throw in that jab at the last moment? It's so weird yes. and like spiteful. <laughs> so on that weird spiteful note, that's episode nine. Well, join us next week for episode 10, which will be hosted by a treasure record. Thank you for listening to Kith and Tell. Oh, <laughs> love it. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.